Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. We are so excited. And I mean, over the moon excited. I mean, to the moon and back excited that you joined us for (laughs) Anchored and Devoted again. I'm Pastor Joseph, and that was Pastor Jer. And we are two crazies in love with God and in love with you. It seems weird, but we believe you to be family and pray that you are. And uh, for those new believers and well-seasoned believers, we're continuing in a series going in reverse through Exodus 20, looking at the Ten Commandments. Dave, hold on a second. Welcome, welcome. What? What, what, what? What did I mess Make up? Sure that you, yeah, I'm going to just stop real quick. Make sure that your mic is, um, it sounds like you're coming through your built-in mic. So again, thanks for joining us through this. We hope that you will share it with others and uh, it will encourage you to live out your faith. Um, that's why we do what we do. You will be found faithful um, when we stand before God. And you can give us a little shout out and say, yeah, those two crazies. Um, they encourage me. Fault. <laughs> they encourage me to run well. How about that? Run in a straight line. Um, <laughs> anyway. You want to say anything, brother? No, I'm good, man. Let's get this. Uh, let's uh, let's do this. Let's talk some Ten Commandments, brother. There we go. Exodus 20 out of the ESV. And God spoke all these words, saying, "I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself." a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath under the earth you shall not bow down to them or serve them for i the lord your god am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hated me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments you shall not take the name of the lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sounds of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood afar off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us. Must we die? Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that The fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. 
The people stood afar off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. May God bless the reading, hearing, and living out of his word. Amen. Amen. There it is. What do you think? Here's where I want to start. Go for it. Um, I was talking with my wife about the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. So we're doing this. And one of the things I pointed out to her, and this is just an aside, this is sort of freebie. Okay. It's really interesting. This is going back to the Tenth Commandment. Okay. That the prohibition against coveting underscores an implicit truth of the reality of personal property right like we can we can talk about don't kill don't steal uh don't lie all these are all understood universally don't covet goes to a different level because Mm -hmm. it says there's something about the fact that it is their property Mm -hmm. that you need to respect period Mm -hmm. now the reason i'm saying this now is because i was thinking about the code of Hammurabi, which predates the mosaic law mm-hmm. and this covenant it's it's as far as i'm aware going back to my history from a few decades ago it's the first known recorded legal code that included things like don't murder don't commit adultery don't steal don't lie as a result when we look at these in the ten commandments what strikes me about them is how little description there is with those four particular prohibitions. It's, it's just given that way. Don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery. Not in that order, I just misquoted. Anyhow, the others, by contrast or by comparison, either have explanation or they have elaboration. So with don't covet, you get this elaboration of here's, here's what we mean by don't covet. I know you're going to look for the loophole in this. I know that you're going to push back against this. So let me go ahead and make this clear. You can't covet the house. You can't covet the car. You can't covet the donkey. You can't covet the dog. You can't covet the mm-hmm. wallet. You're nothing, okay? Everything is off limits. Don't do it. When we get to honor your parents, it's quite simply, here's, here's why. If you do this, you're going to live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving. But when we go back to the first four, and, and again, we make this shift as we're going backwards from wider society to my relationship to God, each one of these first four commandments has not just elaboration, but it has explanation or justification. And that's what really strikes me about these. When I think about um, the third, mm-hmm. do not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain. Why? I'll tell you why. because God will not hold anyone guiltless who does this. What, what's the reason? Because this is really important to God. Why should we keep the Sabbath? Why should we protect the Sabbath and keep it holy? Because in six days, the Lord God did his work in making all of creation. And on the seventh day, he rested. Therefore, you do the same. It's, it's intriguing and instructive to me that a part of what's going on here is God is revealing himself to his people through the law. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I mean, I, I know just, just for background, in case this episode was sent to you by itself, 
uh, were focused on um, keeping the Sabbath and um, not using the Lord's name in vain. Thank um, you. I should have said that. Sorry about that. Oh, no, no, no. It's fine. Um, the, the amount of energy given on the Sabbath is impressive, as you stated, when you consider the taking of a life is just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's enough to, it's, you know, four words. Don't do it pretty much is over and over That's again. It. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't kill. Don't steal. Like it's very short um, versus um, the protection, the clarity, the understanding that you're human. So let me make this abundantly clear. The Sabbath is a lot more than just about what you think of it. You don't get to determine as a person its worth, its purpose, or its value. Um, <clears throat> You don't get to determine whether it's precious or not. You didn't create it. <laughs> right. And you, you, you don't understand it fully unless you look at what God did with it. And so I, I think that um, part of um, the clarity here is to help people almost view it in light of those other simpler ones. And when I say simpler, I mean shorter you know you're not supposed to kill. Right. Like, you know this. I think for many people, especially followers, um, not just of Christ, but, you know, going back to the Old Testament, but believers in the one true God, um, there has to be a reconciling that I'm not in charge here. And as you just stated, I am in relationship with God. And so he is allowing me to see himself through these boundaries that are abundantly healthy and surprisingly simple and yet easy to lose in a world filled with noise. Yeah. Easy to lose. Like you can, you're a farmer, this is easy to rationalize. Like, hey, um, on Sunday is the day when everything's open when it comes to selling my beasts or whatever so I can rationalize not taking on the market on Wednesday, but doing it on a Sunday um, because everything else is slow on a Sunday. I can rationalize doing everything on a Sunday because it's a day of rest and I'm not resting instead of being intentional to separate the day as God is making it clear, be intentional. Like that's what I, I pick up with this verse on the sabbath your life is to be intentional this day is to be intentional god has been intentional to do his work within a you know an assigned time so that you could say yes not only on this day did i accomplish this work but it was good that intentionality is countercultural when we talk about believers as well as non-believers Often we go with the flow, and that is not what we're called to do. We're called to be anchored. We're called to be devoted. That was, yes, easy to slide in there. We're called to be, um, you know, a light on a hill. We're called to be salt. We're called to be distinct. And part of that means being intentional to have a day set aside where we are truly yielded to what God is going to do. 
Um, we should be like that every day. Right. Um, but on the Sabbath day, and you can choose Saturday or Sunday, I'm not going to fight you about that. There should be a day set aside where you're looking to both worship, to be in the presence of, and to, to look for, to learn and listen as to how this next week is going to go. What is it that God wants to do? That, to me, is what the Sabbath should allow for, as well as give space for us to rest. Absolutely. Like it, it's the things that I just described aren't work. This is all receiving from God with the recognition that everything in the past week that I received was from Him as well. And everything in the upcoming week will be from Him. <laughs> um, and so, I'm, I'm staying close to my Heavenly Father. I'm staying close to my Savior, the Spirit that He's put within me, so that I can do the work that is eternal. I'm, what's, yeah. what's interesting to me is that Matthew 23, uh, verses 22 and 23 through 24, mm-hmm. Jesus says to the scribes and to the Pharisees, He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Scribes of the law, hypocrites, mm-hmm. because you tithe on your dill and your mint and you give your 10%, right. but you ignore That's right. the, the weightier, weightier yep. matters of the law. Yep. We, have to, we have to read backwards and understand that when we look at the Ten Commandments, God intentionally put the more weighty matters up front. We see this as we go through. We can see it clearly when we go from murder to adultery, to theft, to lying, to coveting. That clearly is descending in terms of weightiness. But that same trajectory follows when we go backwards, which is the reason I wanted to do this series and go backwards through the laws, because we're starting with the least weighty and going to the most weighty. But of, the, of all the laws that God gave, these 10 arguably are the basis and the most weighty of all of them. And Jesus, when he indicts the Pharisees, one of the implications of, of this is that when God says, you shall not take the, the name of the Lord God in vain, and you shall keep the Sabbath, make it sacred, keep it holy, and then goes on and puts murder and adultery a few more down the list, what he's saying by that is keeping the Sabbath is more weighty than not killing somebody. Not taking the name of the Lord your God in vain is more weighty than not committing adultery. Mm. That's, see. that's huge, man. <laughs> I would say, again, that, that makes for a distinct people um, because the world would say, um, what does it matter what my words are? And, yet and there's, a, there's, there's a really simple answer to that that God gives here. In the beginning of Exodus 20, right? He says, this is what you shall do. Why? For I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God. Mm. It's He's not giving these laws, in other words, so that the people may be distinct for the purpose of being distinct. He's giving these laws so that his people will be distinct because they are his. There it is. He's, that's, a, that's a totally different order of magnitude. Well, he's got to be Lord. He's got to be Lord. And then you know, okay, as my king, 
This is part of being in his community. We are distinct. I'm his. And so my life is one where I don't get to determine the things that are of value because he has. He's determined me to be valuable to the point of his son dying on the cross. He's determined that truth should be something we lift up, not um, the things that are consumable, transactional. We should lean into relationship with him. And so the words do matter because they are tethered to our heart. And Proverbs and Psalms speak about it over and over again. Absolutely. In our other podcast, I mean, that's all we hit on when we look at the words of David and Daily Gains. It's clear your words do matter because they allow me to see your heart. They allow me to understand the things that I can't see in the physical that matter more because we're engaging with the spiritual. And, you know, spouses, you have to be mindful of your words. Parents, be mindful of your words towards little ones. It's, it's not just a, oh, God, forgive me. It's an understanding, is he my Lord? Is he my master? Is he really in charge? Or am I just giving him the same lip service I'm giving others? The other way to look at that, the other question to ask yourself there is, do you really believe that Jesus had to die because of that particular sin? Because mm-hmm. you did not keep the Sabbath. Do you really believe that if all you had done was take the name of the Lord in vain, Jesus would still have had to have died to take your punishment so that you could be forgiven and made righteous? That's kind of the litmus test for this. So here, here lighten this up a little bit, maybe give some clarity, <laughs> especially to our, our younger, newer believers. What in the world is taking the name of the Lord in vain? Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, that's the question, right? I, I was I was actually about to say that. I was watching a movie by an artist who professes to be a Christian in the first five minutes. It wasn't simply cursing, but it was using God's name in a profane way. And so it was making it clear not to uplift God, but to pull him down. It was it was encouraging people. What, what does profane mean? Can you give that a little bit of a definition? Yes. So um, I um, let's see. I'm thinking of different things, and I'm trying to think podcast PG. <laughs> well, why Why are you thinking? Let me give my answer. Okay, okay go for it. I've been, I've been thinking about this well. Uh, Two things. Number one, the word vain here means empty, frivolous, or of of no use. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we say profane, simple understanding for me is it's to take something that is of high value Mm -hmm. and treat it as if it is of low value. To make something that is extremely rare, to treat it as if it is very common. As if it is low, base, to degrade. That is what it means to profane, and specifically in the context of something that is holy or sacred. 
Right. And I was, my first thought was, um, I was reading a book the other day where um, um, it was talking about the Titanic, um, about a lady who was on it, who was very affluent, who had gotten on a lifeboat. Um, she asked if she could run back to her room. Person told her she had like three minutes before the boat went down. She went back to her room, stepping over everything from her own jewelry and furs and picked up like three or four oranges. Um, her life scurvy, huh? Well, her life was one where, um, you know, 15 minutes before hitting that iceberg, the value of that orange was, you know, trading it for anything else was a joke. Yep. The, the reality of um, change, significant change, so that um, it brings back into balance what is a real need versus um, what is a want plays a role in how I view things when I say something's profane. So, so, so you, you brought up the Titanic, which I think is a great case in point here. Do you remember what the slogan was? The advertising, the marketing for the Titanic? Everybody get on board. This is old train. I don't know. This is the <laughs> ship that God couldn't sink. <laughs> oh, there you go. That sounds, that was, that that sounds was tattoo worthy. They, they had <laughs> built the ship specifically designed it so that if it did hit things it would survive and and one of the ways they market this was to say not even god could this is this is what it means to take the name of the lord in vain exactly to say god can't do this is to say you know what a tree can't do this to say a rock can't do this you can't do this dave i can't do this but to treat god as if he is you or me or a rock or a tree is degrading is, it is profane. It is blasphemous. It is. God says, my people shall not do this, and I will not hold them guiltless if and when they do. Hmm. It's, like, it's like saying we don't live in a culture where we have a monarch. Okay? But it would be as if a surf working on you know, some field in a kingdom where there is a king who holds the power of life and death over him, who holds the, the legal power for the entire kingdom as if the, if the serf, the worker, went and said, you know what, I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take out this loan for that house because the king's got my back, without ever having gone to talk to the king about it. He's using this reputation, this gravitas, in a way that is meaningless because the truth of his statement is all just conjecture in his own mind. Yet he's passing it off as if it has weight. Mm. No, so I think it's different than saying, oh my God, when you're making exclamation. Now, I think that's also problematic. Right. Don't and the kids do that. It, I would say it depends on the when and the where and the how as well. Um, there are times that that's my prayer. Right. right? There's a, there is a, a freaking out. <laughs> there is a yeah, prayer. There is. Um, that, that is, you know, that is not a, it's almost like a heart cry as opposed to a, an intentional choice to try or strive to pull God down. Right. Um, and that, but, and that is, 
that is the issue when I see, you know, in the opening scenes of a movie, the intentionality of a writer to pull that down versus someone in my community um, using language in a negative way. And I don't know if they're ignorant or not, or if right. they're aware, um, if they're recognizing this is a habit versus, um, again, a choice, like I'm choosing this. Um, and so there's a lot that goes into it, but know that when it comes to the Lord's name, it is something to be lifted up. Absolutely. Um, just as uh, he is to be lifted up, not just the name, but he is to be lifted up. And so Absolutely. I, I do have an issue when I bump into saints who are more concerned about cursing than about carrying their cross or caring for the person on the side of the road. Um, and so that... I, I, have is, a, I, have a, I want to ask you a question. Go for it. As soon as I get back. <laughs> Hi, Dave. What's the question? New Year's resolutions. Oh, I thought we were going to commercial. <laughs> Here's the question. Um, it sounds like from what you're saying that taking the Lord's name in vain is not just relating to the name of God or Jesus or Yahweh, but it sounds like you could also apply this to the name Christian. Yeah. Uh, we haven't actually received the name Christian from Christ himself. It was derived from Christ's name and his position right. and his position as Lord over us. So you're saying you're, you're in fact extending this to say, if I am applying the label of Christian to myself, but then acting in my life as if this name of Christian is meaningless, is base, is mm -hmm. low. I may also be guilty here of taking the, name of Lord in vain. I, I would, at least, at least I need to take this very serious. Yes. It's, it's, um, it's one of those things where the ability to get stuck on not loving well, because I expect people to act like believers before they know Christ is, I, I mean, I personally think it's crazy. Um, yeah, absolutely. To know that, air quote, I'm putting up my air quotes, Christians, those who will march and protest and do a whole bunch of stuff and, again, put themselves out there as not simply a believer in Christ, but this label that they have to hold to right? as their identity instead of, you know, you, you call me a child of God, I'm cool. There's nothing wrong with that. You call me a... Right. Servant of the Most High, still good. Um, when I walk around with my Jesus bumper sticker on, <laughs> uh, when I, you know, your Jesus fish eating the Darwin fish, yeah, yeah, eating the other whatever thing, and I am acting and living unto self, and honestly keep Christ in His box on Sunday. Right in this right. little steeple box, um, I do believe that that is a form of pulling God down. 
again, a form of profaning his name because you aren't, you definitely aren't lifting it up, right? Like, let's just be honest. You aren't encouraging other people to get to know him. Um, If anything, you're distracting people from him. And that is not acceptable by God. There is another aspect you have that I want to just touch on briefly as mm-hmm. well that, that goes beyond even what we said so far. And, and this goes back to Matthew 23. The Pharisees and scribes were ostensibly guilty of doing this very thing, not because they were running the name of God down, treating it as if it was base. Yeah, they made a because burden. They did. <laughs> they made a burden and they set themselves up as being higher by taking God's commandments and making them heavier and more expansive mm-hmm. than God had said. In other words, they were misrepresenting who God communicated himself to be through his law, through his prophets. God communicated and disclosed himself to his people and said, this is what I expect of you. And then just like Eve did, when she answered the serpent, they said, well, in order to be safe here, we're going to take what God said. We're going to expand those boundaries to prove just how righteous we are. And God says to that, no, you stopped representing me as soon as you went past what I said. Mm. I deal with this with my kids, right? I'll tell mm. my kids, hey, go call your brother. Tell him I want to see him. And I'll hear this. <laughs> So-and-so, Papa said, get your butt down here. Like, like, that is not what I said. Child, child. <laughs> At all. And then they got to go back and say, no, no, you did not do what I told you to do. You didn't obey. You did not obey. I think that's the tough and part. you used my name to make yourself feel better, to make yourself feel higher than this other person. And God says, hey, no, self-limits. Well, when we look at the Sabbath day, I think the heart question is, can you obey? Like genuinely, can you obey? Can you trust me? That I know better. This is good. And we often try and make a way for it to, you know. Well, I take him themselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, I you know, I take a Sabbath for one hour every day, and that that's how I work it. What? Can we just check the math on that? I, I, I take every, you know, I take 10 minutes out of every hour um, and I go, stop. Like, those are beautiful things, but that's, that's not the same thing as what, we're, what God has made clear. <laughs> he said, take a day. Like, this is the guy in charge. Take a day. It's- and the beautiful thing about this is he didn't do this. Jesus makes this so abundantly clear. God did not give this to us as a restriction but as a refreshment, a as, a, as a blessing. He says man was not created for the Sabbath. Sabbath was created for man. And that means unplugging, put it down, rest. This is for your good. This is God's gift, his blessing to you so that you and your life can flourish because God is not about making laws to restrict us because he made this whole universe. He put us onto one planet out of a hundred billion, billion planetoids and said, you know what? (laughs) No, that's too much for you. I'm going to have to give you more rules. He did this because he loves us. Yes. 
And I, I believe the same is true when it comes to the knowledge. He's letting us know, like, hey, I don't forget. I see it all. My name is holy. I'm holy. Don't misunderstand the relationship. <laughs> you may forget this. Yeah, don't don't misunderstand. I'm not going to forget this. <laughs> exactly. Don't don't misunderstand the relationship. Yes, David was my friend, but that doesn't like like don't assume upon the relationship that you can just do anything. Even don't. David knew that. You need to know that too. Don't and you mentioned this earlier, Jared, don't assume. I think for myself, the toughest part is not the assuming. It's it's the again the distracted human nature of forgetfulness and it's not an intentional right. forgetfulness it's a right you know i've done what i was supposed to do and then i got in the midst of a chaotic situation and i hadn't built in a process so that no matter what was going on i was going to engage with god um yes. whether it's a chirp on my cell phone every hour to remind me to stop and pray whether it's a that way, if things are crazy, I'm still connected to, you know, I need to pray and not, okay, let me figure it out myself. I, I hadn't, you know, taken the time to block off margin in my life so that I could understand, okay, you know what, I need to do these things in the margin time so that way I can enjoy the Sabbath. Yes. Allowing our lives to just run themselves means that we aren't actually living intentionally for Christ. And intentionality requires for me to sit down and talk to God about what he views as important and then look for those things throughout the week, not just what I want to do or what I think should be done. Right. The word is to follow. And, yep. and I'll, I'll say this and you know, I'll wrap this up. But okay. David gives us a really good example of this in demonstrating what Paul was saying about Christ himself when Paul says that Jesus even though he is God, being God, he did not consider being God something to be held on to. Rather, he humbled himself and came in the form of man. David did this well as Saul was pursuing him to kill him. And David's men come and say, hey, Saul, the guy who right now is trying to kill you, he wants to make a, uh, a shish kebab out of you. Right now, he's asleep around the corner. And they're all out cold. So this is probably our chance. In fact, you've been crying out to God to deliver you. This is probably God's provision to you for your deliverance, because you're the one that God's anointed to be king. I remember you told me Samuel came and dumped some oil on your head. This is for you, man. This is the timing that God has given. David says, no. God said, we shall not raise our hand against the anointed of God. And so David, even though what he does do is he goes and he cuts off a piece of Saul's robe, he realizes that even in doing that, mm -hmm. even in doing that, he was not following the example that his great, 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 great grandson Christ was going to be the archetype of, of humbling himself. And following in obedience, even to the point of death. So that his next response to Saul is to say, I owe you an apology. Mm. Because even though you and I both know 
I've been anointed to be your successor. I did wrong by standing on that and raising my hand against you in any way. Because God's the one who puts you in charge. God's the one who has said this about me. And it's up to God to do this. For me to go beyond what God has given me is to be in disobedience. And if I've done that, even to you, as you're trying to kill me, even as I'm crying out for God to show away and you fall asleep in the cave next to me, and it seems like this is God's timing, if it goes beyond what God has given me to do, then I'm in sin, regardless of what rational lies I might tell myself. So that's, uh, that's my challenge to me. I'll let the Holy Spirit challenge you, your listener, fellow traveler. As he will. Unless Dave wants to challenge you. I, I, you know, <laughs> receiving a challenge from Dave is always a good thing. Nah, the word is it. Amen. The word has done the work. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll see you later. God bless. Bye-bye.